0: Hi listeners, this episode of Luke's English Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's top provider of downloadable audiobooks. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash Luke, you can sign up to a 30-day free trial which includes a free download of any audiobook of your choice, and they have over 150,000 titles to choose from. So check out audibletrial.com forward slash teacher luke to take advantage of this offer or just click on one of the Audible buttons on my website. Now let's get started. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So welcome to part two of this uh, two-part, maybe even three-part, I don't know yet, episode about uh, what is Britishness, and what uh, I'm trying to do with these episodes is just try and look at, um, well, what are the real elements of British culture? What do, let's say, foreign people, how do foreign people understand Britain, and how is that different to the way in which British people define their national identity? And also, generally speaking, um, how do you define a national identity, and what are the um, issues uh, that and considerations that go along with that idea? In part one, we looked at uh, some of the things that I've noticed my students and many other foreign people I've met um, say and think about uh, Britain and how they define Britishness from a sort of outsider's point of view. And I kind of, you know, talked a little bit about those ideas. Um, And um, in this one, we're going to continue and uh, actually look at how British people define Britishness. Okay, so when you actually ask the average British person to define Britishness, I find that they always give certain stock answers to this question too. So we've got the kind of cliches and stereotypes that come from uh, non-British people, but also British people have their own kind of quick answers to this question as well. As we know, it's very hard to truly define um, this concept So, you end up listing various associations which don't fully deal with the whole subject in a satisfyingly complete way. Um, Now, a way to kind of begin looking at this is um, to listen to some uh, comments by like ordinary uh, people in the street. And I found a video on YouTube which is called What is Britishness by Rebecca Devaraj. And it's a short video exploring Britishness for her final year university project. And it looks like she spent the morning in a local park. I think it's London. Um, just looking at the scenes, it, I think I recognise some places. It might even be Ealing. Anyway, um, so she spent some time in a local park asking passers-by the question, what is Britishness? So let's listen to the audio. And um, I wonder if you can guess which of the answers you're going to hear is the one that I think is the best so you'll hear a number of answers which one is the one that i think is the best answer in my opinion i mean there's no real right or wrong answer to this question but i think one of them is slightly more incisive and uh, goes into a bit more depth uh can you guess which answer that is here we go
1: British spirit, it's about always having a stiff upper lip, keeping going whatever the situation is. That's what being British is. I think being British is having a stiff upper lip because we get on with things.
0: Diversity, culture, fish and chips. I would have thought that Britishness defines the characteristics of whoever are the citizens of Britain, whatever their origins at any one time. Um, Ordinarily, we would argue that Britishness is linked to notions of liberty and freedom, and in fact the very diversity that makes it difficult to define what Britishness means.
1: I think being British is being accepting. We accepted the smoking ban, we accept the weather, we accept queuing, we just accept and get on with it.
0: A big part of Britain is bulldogs, because obviously it has the connotations with Churchill, and with the advert and lots of things, and they're British.
1: I think being British is being cosmopolitan in modern society. When I think of Britain, I think of uh, bad weather, permanent winter, and that kind of leads to, uh, I guess, the, uh, the tolerance we have in the UK, which I think is pretty much a British trait. Tolerance is the one we think about, but I think it's also a long history of progress because society has gotten better
0: with each generation. People's homes, their lives have improved, their social conditions have, and we're striving to make them better.
1: I think being British is, well, because I think about my stomach and I was thinking fish and chips. We think being British is about weather and bad weather, but obviously not like today. I think Britain is all about tradition because that's what we've got a lot of. We think being British is about being patriotic because we get behind our sports teams and support our country and the royal family. And you just feel it. You just are British.
0: Okay, so there are some sort of vox pops about uh, what uh, some British people think uh, defines them as British people. Um, And so let's have a quick look at some vocabulary that you heard uh, in that uh, in that series of short interviews there. And um, so we're going to see. First of all, you heard the expression having a stiff upper lip and getting on with things having a stiff upper lip. Have you heard that before? I think I've mentioned it on the podcast uh, before. Uh, British people often say about themselves that they have a stiff upper lip. So this just basically means having a sort of emotional resolve, having a bit of toughness uh, and not losing control emotionally, not getting over emotional, right? Uh, So the upper lip is, well, obviously you've got two lips, and the lip on the top is your upper lip. And if that is stiff, it means it's not trembling. It means you've got your emotions under control. Okay, so that's what having a stiff upper lip means. And then also just just getting on with things. If you just get on with things, it means you just carry on. It's, you know, it's basically just keep calm and carry on, isn't it? So despite problems or troubles that you might be experiencing, you don't let it prevent you from getting things done or uh, it doesn't let you uh, it doesn't stop you from continuing to do things so it's it's about keeping calm and carrying on right you also will have heard there uh, being accepting so that just means accepting uh, situations and just getting on with it um, so being accepting that's interesting because in you know many countries uh, people well they don't put up with things they don't uh, put up with problems i mean obvious example here in france Let's say um, if the government announces that they're going to raise the age of retirement, meaning that everyone has to work longer and they, they can't retire at 65, they have to wait until they're 70. So if the government raises the age of retirement, in France, people wouldn't just accept it, they'd take to the streets, they'd be demonstrating and protesting against it, right? In England, if the government decided to raise the age of retirement, people would probably just have a cup of tea, and complain about it but sort of accept it probably although obviously there would be some people demonstrating in the streets but you get the idea um another thing you heard there was the the bulldog bulldog is a it's just a breed of dog uh you might know it's kind of fairly small um and it's got these sort of jowls on its face these jowls that make it look a bit like winston churchill so we associate winston churchill with the bulldog and of course winston churchill is a sort of uh, national hero because of the way he led britain um during world war 2 so we associate churchill with strong leadership and uh, someone who allow you know who who helped us to uh, avoid uh, losing the war let's say um bad weather uh, torrents you might be thinking what's a torrent well a torrent basically means Normally, we say torrents of rain. This just means sort of like uh, uh, heavy showers, heavy showers of rain. Okay, those are torrents. Uh, progress, you heard. We get behind our sports teams. If you get behind someone, it means you support them. Okay, to be behind someone, I'm behind you. Uh, to get behind someone, in this case, get behind a sports team, means that you support your sports team. And then finally, one of the women said, uh, You just are British which is kind of uh, that's kind of it really if you're british if you live in britain then you whatever you do helps to define uh what uh, what british what britishness actually is so what was the best comment which one do you think i think is the best comment well for me it's the it's it's the guy who says and it, he's not just a guy in fact he's he's called professor jeremy black the author of a short history of britain which is obviously a book about the history of Britain, Professor Jeremy Black. He's a professor and an author, so he should know what he's talking about. Um, and he says this, um, I would have thought that Britishness defines the characteristics of whoever are the citizens of Britain. Now, he said Britishness defines the, the citizens, but I think actually, I may be wrong, Maybe um, uh, maybe this is inappropriate of me to correct a professor, but I think he means that the citizens define Britishness. So whoever the citizens of Britain are at that moment, uh, whatever they do, that defines Britishness. Or maybe he means it the other way around, that somehow Britishness as a concept defines who we are. I think it's probably a combination of the two somehow. So uh, I would have thought that Britishness defines the characteristics of whoever are the citizens of Britain, whatever their origins, at any one time. Um, so it doesn't matter where you come from. If you're a citizen of Britain, then you're defining what Britishness is. And that includes, you know, uh, people from like, ethnic communities and immigrant families who have settled in the UK. Uh, um, ordinarily, and he, he goes on to say, ordinarily, we would argue that Britishness is linked to notions of liberty and freedom. And in fact, the very diversity that makes it difficult to define what Britishness means. So there, you see the, the couple of values: liberty and freedom. Somehow, this is important. Although, of course, freedom is a uh, you know, uh, there's is a, it's not. I think it's not possible to have absolute freedom because there's all there are always limitations of some kind. But certainly, the sense that. There's freedom to be who you want to be, you know, democracy and uh, freedom to to start your own business, uh, that kind of uh, economic uh, liberty as well. Uh, and diversity. Uh, I think generally in Britain, we're quite proud of uh, our diversity. Um, here's a Wikipedia definition of, of Britishness. And it goes like this. Britishness is the state or quality of being British of course, or of embodying British characteristics, and is used to refer to that which binds and distinguishes the British people and forms the basis of their unity and identity, or else to explain expressions of British culture, such as habits, behaviours, or symbols that have a common, familiar, or iconic quality readily identifiable with the United Kingdom dialogue about the legitimacy and authenticity of Britishness is intrinsically tied with power relations and politics. In terms of nationhood and belonging, expressing or recognising one's Britishness provokes a range of responses and attitudes, such as advocacy, indifference or rejection. McPhee and Poddar state that although the designation of the two differing terms Britishness... uh, sorry... mm, Despite the designation of the two differing terms, Britishness and Englishness, despite the fact that it's not simple, as they are invariably conflated, they're they're slightly different, they are both tied into the identity of the British Empire and nation, since these last two are altering considerably, as Englishness and Britishness do too. Thus, the slippage between the two words, British and English, can be seen as a play between these changing dynamics. Right, that's interesting and also a little complex. So here's my sort of simplified version of that. Um, So Britishness is, according to that definition, whatever distinguishes British people and culture from other nations. Uh, So whatever is unique to the UK. Um, It also includes habits, behaviours or symbols that are specific or familiar to the UK, and this sort of um, confirms many of the things that we've already said. It's those images and values and stuff that uh, is that are uniquely British. Uh, this conversation usually ends up with references to the power structure of the UK, politics and monarchy. Expressing expressing Britishness provokes a range of feelings. For example, waving a British flag, a UK flag, might cause people in the UK to go yay, or to go yeah, whatever. Or to go, I find that offensive. So it either can provoke um, um, advocacy, like support, or indifference, like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Or rejection, which is like, no, I find that offensive. Um, And also, uh, Britishness and Englishness are different things, but they're often used to mean the same thing. Which is basically Britain from an international point of view, especially as an empire. Um, So... Just relating to that last point about the difference between Britishness and Englishness, also the the possibility of how waving a British flag could be offensive, what is the difference between Britain and England? Well, and also Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, of course. And why would it be offensive to wave a British flag? Uh, Well, you know the difference between England and Britain. Of course, that you know, England. I've explained it already, right? Um, England, the country, Britain, the the the, the landmass that includes Scotland and Wales, and also the UK when you include Northern Ireland. Um, but about the flags, um, generally, actually, in England, it's less offensive to wave a British flag. We people tend to be quite comfortable about the British flag, the UK flag in England, but in Scotland, Wales, or Northern Ireland, you might meet people who put their countries before the union of the uk uh, and in fact feel that the uk was even forced on them in some way so you might find that you know uh, independently minded scots or uh, northern irish or welsh people might not like the british flag so much Um, but what about the english flag what does that mean in england well in england the uk flag the uk flag the union jack the red white and blue one is associated with unity, inclusion, multiculturalism, and so on, because it obviously represents the unity of the four nations. So it sort of includes those ideas of inclusion and multiculturalism and acceptance. But the English flag on its own, which is white with a red cross on it, uh, that's more associated with English nationalism, which in turn is associated with empire building colonialization and also football hooligans so there is a sense that the english flag on its own is is associated with slightly more ugly values than the british or uk flag um i think also the uk flag is it's it's, it's slightly more attractive as a flag isn't it um and it's it's also quite cool i mean internationally it's sort of seen as almost associated with fashion and music you see uh, bands like the Who or the uh, Oasis um, uh, who played guitars with a Union Jack on them, uh, and also, you know, certain aspects of the fashion scene, uh, that flag. Um, So generally, the English flag is displayed, you might find, when there's a football match, and it kind of relates to the behaviour that goes along with that. So can you see the difference? Um, So, going back to the idea of how brits define britishness um this guardian article sums it up rather well and this is a an article article from the guardian and i'm going to read it to you now you can find a link to this on the web page for this episode um so let's have a look this um article was published um last summer in 2014 ahead of the uh, scottish referendum the Scottish referendum sort of opened up this conversation uh, on what is Britishness, um, and um, it's written by James Walsh for the Guardian, and uh, I'm going to read it to you now. So let's not make a fuss. Ten things that sum up Britishness. With a vote on Scottish, Scottish independence only a hundred days away, we asked our readers across the United Kingdom what Britishness means to them. The answer is, as expected, a complex one here are 10 themes that emerged. Um, So it's an interesting time to be British. With Scotland 100 days away from a vote on independence, the term could be due a radical overhaul. An overhaul, by the way, is like a redesign when you change something. Uh, So we thought it would be worth finding out what our readers thought of Britishness, regardless of which corner of the United Kingdom they called home. As was to be expected, we received a multitude of different answers, but clear themes emerged, and here are ten of the most notable. You can add your own thoughts on British identity via our Guardian Witness assignment or in the comments thread below. Um, So, number one, it's an inclusive term. Inclusion. To include is the verb. It's an inclusive term. If one positive theme emerged from our call-out, it's that our readers see Britishness as an inclusive umbrella term to cover a multitude of backgrounds this photo above and you can see a photograph of um, a marriage a multicultural marriage between i believe it's an indian person and a scottish person Um, it says this uh, photo is the moment we married my children have scotland wales iraq india pakistan and zanzibar in their blood we live in croydon and our family extends to every inhabited continent on the planet. Our friends are all are from all points of the compass. We are global and local in one room. Whether you look at the British Empire with shame or anger or pride, this is what it does for us now. It's our history that drew us together, and it shapes our Britain. We are Indo-Scots, Presbyterian Muslims. We are London, and like Tom Jones, we're not unusual it's not unusual apparently to be so multicultural it's not unusual it's not unusual apparently that's the tom jones reference you know that song don't you it's not unusual so uh where were we where were we where's the article gone on my computer uh there it is so uh we we uh so this multiculturalism is not unusual apparently and that is from someone calling themselves green desk bruce here's another one from steph worthington and it says i'm welsh but i've been living in england for nearly 30 years i don't see a problem with regarding myself as welsh and british my concern is if countries go independent will those who have come from abroad feel pushed out of society i know an asian restaurant worker who doesn't feel english at all but does feel british yet he's only ever lived in england British is a helpful catch-all term for all of us, especially those who don't feel English, Welsh, Cornish, Northern Irish, or Scottish. Hmm. Number two um, is uh, number two in this Guardian article uh, is that it can be quite confusing. Um, and uh, the author goes on to say, first time I went to America, I wrote English as my nationality on my visa waiver form this was wrong. It turns out I'm United Kingdomese. And here's another comment from uh, John B. And it says, when someone abroad asks, where are you from? Do you say I'm British, a UK citizen from Great Britain, English, Scottish, Welsh, Northern Irish, or from the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland? Do you then try to explain that the great refers to the largest island and it's not really a delusion of grandeur. Multiculturalism is fine, but we do have, but, uh, multiculturalism is fine, but we do, uh, there's a, there's a mistake on the Guardian article. That's why I'm having problems with that sentence. Multiculturalism is fine, but do we have any shared culture? Okay, uh, that's John B. Here's another one from Hesi Chast all right Uh, if my cultural identity were an ice cream uh european would be the cone that holds it the ice cream would be british isles flavor and the sprinkles would be english lancastrian black Pudlian. okay an interesting ice cream uh analogy there I, i like that one naturally number three in this list is that its meaning needs to be updated uh and a comment from i am not prince hamlet says where nigel farage might fulminate at this proliferation of polish cured meats in my local corner shop i see exciting diversity here's to multicultural britain nigel farage by the way is um kind of a uh, well he he's the leader of the united kingdom independence party known as ukip and ukip's policy Well, UKIP want two things, really. The first thing they want is to get the UK out of Europe. And the second thing they want is to get the immigrants out of the UK. So, you know, they're kind of a right-wing party led by Nigel Farage. And the comment says, Where Nigel Farage might fulminate at this proliferation of Polish cured meats in my local corner shop, there's a picture of some uh, local Polish cured meats in a shop. And that might make Nigel Farage angry, because Nigel Farage would say that, you know, uh, British culture is being swamped by cultures from abroad, and we're losing our identity. Um, So the Polish meats might make him angry, but for uh, I am not Prince Hamlet, um, this is exciting diversity. And so here's to multicultural Britain. If you say here's to something... It's like you're saying cheers, you know, you're lifting a glass. Here's to multicultural Britain. Um, Here's another comment, and it's from Allied Llama, which is quite interesting. It sounds like Dalai Lama, doesn't it? But it's Allied Llama. Yeah. (laughs) as a group of nations under the british state i think we need to do more to celebrate our multiculturalism not just in the conciliatory nods that the press sometimes give to the many different ethnic identities of london but across the whole of our four different nations in wales scotland and ireland we could do more to explore our celtic heritages while also admitting that as part of the british state we've become cosmopolitan nations with several linguistic heritages where people from all over the world have traveled to we can share in the different ways of life that immigrating peoples bring to us not shut them out in in anxiety okay Uh, so point four goes like this british shouldn't just mean english and we see a picture of a Uh, a cockney pearly king this is a kind of a old school uh, traditional old-fashioned cockney wearing the traditional old-fashioned cockney clothing if you remember from the episode called on a boat My friend Paul Langton explained that a Cockney technically is someone who is born within the sound of Bow Bells. Bow is an area of East London. So Cockneys only come from a very specific part of East London, in fact. So we see a picture of a proud Cockney standing in front of the the Union Jack. Um, British and English are sometimes seen as interchangeable to the chagrin, that's like annoyance or anger, anger, to the chagrin of some of our readers particularly this one from Northern Ireland. Too often, English people... Shall I do this in a Northern Irish accent, or would that be inappropriate? Too often, English people... And I say that... No, I'm not going to do it. Too often, English people... I say this living happily in Liverpool, loving all my English friends, tend to believe that English equals British. Too many times, an English person has been talking to me and casually mentioned, I guess that's me being British without a hint of thinking uh, that we are talking to without a hint of thinking he was talking to someone british hmm. they mean english too often i have actually been asked if belfast is in ireland or in scotland it is ignorant it's unfair to feel that i'm not entitled to my own britishness when in the company of english people but that said, this doesn't have to be a problem. A little education would go a long way. I'm British. I just need you to see me that way. OK, so what we're talking about here is that Britishness needs to be expanded. Not, ju- you know, it's too, it's it's not fair on the Welsh, the Scottish and the Irish when we say Britishness, but we actually mean Englishness. So we need to try and include uh, those those three um we're going to include. We should include those three other nations somehow into a broader uh, meaning. That was from Jennifer Fisher, who's from Northern Ireland. This one is uh, another one from Allied Lama, and it says, um, "Unfortunately, Britishness is often construed by the media as being terribly Anglo-centric, and I fear not even." a kind of Anglo-centric that many English people can easily identify with, as it focuses on a narrow stereotype imagined by the disconnected bourgeois who mainly seclude themselves along certain stretches of the Thames Valley and the South Coast, the inherent pride in a long-lost empire, the stubborn boasts of achievements in sciences and the arts, the pretense that we are still a major world power all of these things are what i feel people are told they should be proud of and feel connected to in being british so allied lama there is again stating that uh, britishness is defined only by a small section of society particularly those who live in uh, london basically um so are you okay you're keeping up with this everyone all right, let's carry on. So, this is point five in what it's a 10 point list, isn't it? Isn't that what I said? So, number five is Englishness needs to be reappropriated. Englishness needs to be reappropriated. And we see a picture of the uh, folk singer, the English folk singer, Billy Bragg, who is um, kind of a proponent of Englishness um, and in somehow re- reinstating Englishness or redefining, reassessing Englishness englishness okay so um let's let me continue reading the article uh i say let me continue reading as if you're stopping me (laughs) uh all right there's nothing stopping me is there no of course not um so if scotland votes for independence which they didn't anyway if scotland votes for independence will englishness have to be reassessed Obviously, there will be political repercussions and machinations, but some of our readers feel Englishness itself will need to be revalued and redefined. Repercussions, you know what that means? It's basically effects or consequences. Machinations, these are like uh, changes, okay? Machinations, it's like the, the operations of a machine, so, in this case, the machine would be, let's say, the constitution of the UK, the unwritten constitution of the UK. So, there would have to be changes um, to the machine of, of, of uh, Britain. Huh? Okay, so there will have to be political repercussions and machinations, but some of our readers feel Englishness itself will need to be revalued and redefined. And this is from someone called Rika Boy. And it goes like this. I think that one of the things that drove me away from Britishness is the fact that England seems to be the Cinderella of the UK nations. It's true that it dominates the UK in terms of size and influence, yet it is the only home nation that's not allowed its own devolved parliament or assembly. Whereas the Welsh, Scots and Northern Irish have considerable powers to manage their own affairs, England is ruled firmly by the British government for the sole good of the UK state. I believe that Englishness should be a positive identity which is embraced and celebrated, yet too many, peop- too many English people still seem religiously devoted to a Britishness which seems to want to expunge Englishness as a nasty, dangerous anachronism whoa remember that you can access this article by clicking the link uh that you'll find on the page for this episode and then you can actually see all these words you can google them you can do a bit of studying if that's what you want to do uh point six uh goes like this you can be proud to be british without being right wing and we see a picture of some bunting bunting is like decorative flags which are put up whenever we celebrate something in britain like for example the 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 royal marriage there was lots of bunting usually like little triangular flags on on strings or ropes um, and you often see them at street parties and things like that Uh, so there's a picture of bunting Um, and and this is how it goes perhaps unsurprisingly this being the guardian there weren't too many mentions of the queen although there was one mention of the queen so um, do you know what that means the guardian is generally quite a left-wing newspaper not radically left-wing or anything but it leans to the left and so because of that people are not overly patriotic and they're not necessarily overly uh fond of the monarchy okay so that's what that means so let me read it again perhaps uns- i say let me as if you're as if you're blocking me like as if you're slapping the computer out of my hand or something of course you're not anyway perhaps unsurprisingly this being the guardian there weren't too many mentions of the queen but it was interesting to hear from british patriots a million miles away from the ukip mold this means that it's interesting to hear from british patriots who are not right wing Um, i love this this is from stephanie keeler and it says i love our warm-hearted philanthropic quirky and socialist past I'm proud of the chartists and the suffragettes, Charles Dickens, Robert Owen and John Ball. I'm proud of the unions. I'm proud that we raised stiff comp- uh, stiff opposition to Thatcher and of our ability to unite in the Second World War against fascism. I'm proud that we executed a king because we valued our rights, privileges and liberties more than monarchic tradition i'm proud that we still slam the door of parliament in the face of the queen's messenger to this very day wow there's so much in that comment that you might not know about um let's let's have a look at um the second part i'm proud that we executed a king um king charles i this is in the mid 17th century there was an uprising by parliament so very brief history okay but very very brief history lesson but it's a key moment in in british history um for 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 years and years the 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 monarch had um power like let's say supreme power they were the main executive power in the country um and then in the 17th century um there was a, a parliament who um the king basically delegated powers to to, to run the country but the king still maintained supreme power uh, but the parliament gained more and more power led by oliver cromwell who you might have heard of and there was an uprising by parliament um, after the the king charles attempted to impose too much of his will on parliament parliament fought back there was a civil war between the parliamentarians led by oliver cromwell and the monarchists. Um, so like the parliamentarians versus the monarchy basically the parliamentarians won the king was uh, killed they chopped his head off and for oh how long was it something like 20 years I think uh, we had a sort of republic led by Oliver Cromwell as a dictator basically they didn't call it a republic they called it the English Commonwealth Um, but then after Cromwell died I mean his son took over but ultimately, the royal family came back, and Charles the son was reinstated uh, as the as the monarch. He became Charles the second, of course. Um, and um, so, but that was a key moment because it sort of opened the door to various other changes that happened later on, which led to basically the the parliament running the show and the monarch not having powers. So this uh, this person, Stephanie Keeler, is proud of that. Moment that we valued our rights, privileges, and liberties more than monarchic tradition. Uh, And then she said, I'm proud that we still slam the door of Parliament in the face of the Queen's messenger. This refers to when the Queen opens Parliament every year. Uh, Every year, when Parliament is opened, uh, officially it's opened by the Queen. Uh, But uh, the the thing is, the Queen can't enter Parliament since Charles I was uh, was beheaded the monarch is not allowed into parliament and so she has to send a messenger to knock on the door to request um you know to ask parliament to be opened and there's this routine where uh, the messenger who's known as black rod walks through um the building and he knocks on the door of parliament and in parliament they they refuse to let him in and he knocks again and then finally they let him in and then parliament is opened uh, it's a very old tradition so there's still that sense that parliament uh, managed to uh, seize power away from the monarch in order to you know uh focus on democratic uh, uh uh running of the country right uh okay right are you okay you're still focusing on this i understand it's a bit uh what's the word for it? it's a bit dense a bit thick isn't it well i mean it's a bit complex i hope you're still listening there will be music by the way coming up i'm going to play you some billy Bragg. that'll be nice because he's he's just brilliant um really great songwriter and musician so we're still on points we're, we're now on point seven uh, and that's that uh british people consider that britishness means tolerance and we have a well a picture of some slippers with the Unite, with the uh, uh, union jack and some hearts on them and this is from Bob Alob, and it says, for me, the feeling of being British represents tolerance, even the embracing of different cultures, ways of life, and opinions, as the definition evolves along with the people who live here. I feel very lucky to be living in such a nation with the freedoms and opportunities we have. And then Absolute Beginner uh, makes this comment, there've been there have always been four things that have made me proud of living in Britain. A strong welfare state, the fact that we do not have capital punishment, the fact that we do not have a national health service, uh, uh, the fact that we do not have national service, that means being uh, obliged to join the army for for a time, and a welcoming attitude to those from outside Britain. From the Huguenots to Windrush, long may those values continue. So um, proud of welcoming uh, immigrants into the country that means number 8 uh, but some worry britain no longer upholds these values and we've got a picture of uh, three uh, gentlemen in suits and bowler hats with umbrellas it's an old picture from the 1960s gentlemen in the rain but uh, you know maybe the gentleman that proud image of the gentleman is 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 lost now um this is a comment comment from gene mckenzie And it says this, when I grew up in the 1960s, there was a sense of progress, of everything getting better, if slowly, for all the people, of everyone working together for the common good and looking after the vulnerable, of helping working class children into higher education, a free health service and decent housing for all. Since 1979, these advances have gone into reverse and the dominant ideology is of individual greed exploitation of others and scapegoating people and groups since 1979 why because that's when Margaret Thatcher became prime minister okay um, so individual greed um, exploitation of others and scapegoating people and groups scapegoating if you scapegoat someone or you make someone a scapegoat it means that you blame them for all the problems you just put all the problems on one person so they become the scapegoats. you just blame them for all the problems, even if they're not necessarily responsible. They just become the one who gets blamed for everything. Um, so maybe Thatcher changed Britain's values in some way. Uh, point nine, some would rather just not make a fuss, right? To make a fuss means to make lots of trouble, to uh, make an inconvenient situation somehow um, like uh, arguing or or somehow um, making life difficult. That means to make a fuss. For example, in a restaurant, you might find uh, an, an English couple sitting down at a restaurant and one of them's got a dirty fork and he, he you know, he doesn't want to make a fuss. So instead of complaining about it, he just cleans it himself. And then when the waiter comes over and says, is everything okay? They go, yeah, everything's fine even though the fork was dirty that he didn't complain about it he just didn't want to make a fuss there's actually a very good monty python comedy sketch about that exact situation which uh, i must play to you at some point um so some people would rather not make a fuss Um, we also received our fair share of flippant if witty replies for some questions of identity just aren't that important flippant means sort of like you know not very serious uh, and a bit a bit of a joke a bit jokey uh, this is something uh, a comment from really an avatar and it says being English and to a lesser extent British means having to w- means having no wish to loudly proclaim my Englishness so there you go being English being English or British is all about not really wanting to be proud to be English that's interesting I think that's really quite insightful that one um, and beggar's belief said if something by the way if something beggars belief it means you can't believe it it absolutely beggars belief meaning i cannot believe it Um, it's not that complicated says beggars belief if you want to broaden your identity you'd probably say that you were european or maybe from the northern hemisphere or from the earth solar system milky way universe space that sort of thing if you wanted to narrow it down a bit to something a bit more manageable that makes you feel comfortable or irrationally excited you'd say i'm english mate or scottish welsh or irish if you narrowed it down further you might say you were from say worcestershire or worcester like the both places worcestershire is a county worcester is a town within worcestershire if you wanted the postman or woman to identify you you might like to give your address so it's just a, a flippant sarcastic response uh saying that um it's all a bit unnecessary to to be overly proud of, of of where you come from that it's a bit meaningless really um i kind of agree with that i have to say uh number 10 and this is the final point if there's nothing else we can agree on there's always philip larkin outside a library With a bicycle, and we see a picture of the poet uh, Philip Larkin, a a popular English poet. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's English. Um, A photo of Philip Larkin, a black and white photo uh, of him standing outside a library with a bicycle, and it somehow sums up some of the values that we like. You know, the, the the literary things, the. That just certain comforting images of of Britain. So, positive British stereotypes mentioned by our readers included eccentricity, having a sense of fair play, and a mastery of ironic humour. But one reader, when asked to define Britishness, simply replied, "Philip Larkin outside a library with a bicycle." So that is the Guardian article about Britishness, and to be honest, I think that pretty much covers the whole thing. i do have other things to say i'm going to i'm going to carry on what time is it on the podcast okay we've been going for about 43 minutes i did have something to say about the scots the welsh and the northern irish i think that's been covered to be honest by the comments let me just read it to you anyway it's only a short piece of text um so back to me again i'm english and british so when i talk about britishness i'm also talking about englishness to a certain extent but britain also wait a minute I've got a funny feeling, ladies and gentlemen, that you're getting a bit tired of all this Britishness. Am I right? Am I right, ladies and gentlemen? You might be thinking, Okay, we got it, Luke. It's complicated, it's fine. <laughs> I think that's what you're thinking. Let me just give you a really quick list of the things I'm proud of, okay? I'm proud of uh the fairness or the, the, the sense of fairness. Cricket. I love cricket the game of cricket which you probably don't understand i love our humor of course i love our music i've talked about that comedy as you know um the the land itself i just love the landscape it's very green and and it's a, you know there's some beautiful countryside uh, i love the diverse accents that we have as you well know um, the nhs the national health service sherlock holmes drinking tea with milk thank you very much the proper way i love pretending to be proudly british because for me it's just uh, like i can't really be sincere when i'm when i make all these statements about being proudly british because it's not that important to me so if you ever hear me on the podcast making proud statements about drinking tea and you know having a portrait of the queen and stuff i'm not really being serious i'm just trying to i'm sort of undermining the seriousness of it really That's British humour, maybe. It's hard to identify, but that's what it is. Um, I love pubs. I love uh, towns where I've lived. London, Birmingham, Liverpool. Um, I love uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings, Monty Python, Ali G. I could go on. I'm not going to. Instead, what I'm going to do is play you some Billy Bragg. It's not me playing it. I'm going to play you a video of his that I found on YouTube. I hope that he doesn't mind. If Billy Bragg does mind, then he can just get in touch with me um i'm a reasonable man and i can remove this if he wants me to but i'm going to play it to you anyway so um um let's see i'm going to i'm going to play this song by billy Bragg, and it's called half it's called england half english let me just read through the lyrics to you first so it goes like this my mother was half english and i'm half english too i'm a great big bundle of culture tied up in the red white and blue i'm a fine example of your essex man And I'm well familiar with the Hindustan, that by the way, that's an Indian English language newspaper, because my neighbours are half English and I'm half English too. All right, so it's about multiculturalism and and being proud that being English means being a sort of mongrel, a mix of different things. Uh, He's proud that his neighbours are Indian and he's well aware of the Indian newspaper, the Hindustan this is going to sound much better when he sings it my breakfast was half english and so am i you know i had a plate of marmite soldiers washed down with a cappuccino soldiers means bits of toast cut into strips and you dip them into a a boiled egg so i had a plate of marmite soldiers washed down with a cappuccino and i have a veggie curry about once a week the next day i fry it up as bubble and squeak bubble and squeak is a kind of a a very English, maybe British thing, which involves taking leftover vegetables and frying them until they start to make a bubbling and squeaking sound when you fry them. Okay. Uh, He said, so the next day I, I have veggie curry once a week. Next day I fry it up as bubble and squeak because my appetite's half English and I'm half English too. Dance with me to this very English melody from Morris dancing to Morrissey all that stuff came, all that stuff came from across the sea. Morris dancing is old-fashioned English dancing. Morrissey, the lead singer of the, uh, formerly lead singer of the Smiths, uh, uh, who you know, he's been on the podcast. Um, Anyway, not not personally, but I've talked about him on the podcast. Um, Britannia. Britannia, she's half English. She speaks Latin at home. St. George was born in the Lebanon. How he got here, I don't know. And those three lions on your shirt, they never sprang from England's dirt. Them lions are half English, and I'm half English too. You note that Billy Bragg says them lions, not those lions. Sometimes you see or hear them being used instead of those. It's a sort of colloquialism. Lots of people do it. Billy Bragg's from Essex. He's, you know, it's fairly common of the sort of typical Essex dialect that they would say them lions instead of those lions Um, oh my country what a beautiful country you are let's hear Billy Bragg uh playing us that tune so this was recorded live and it's um Billy Bragg and the what's the name of his band we'll we'll see in a second two three four
1: half English and I'm half English too. I'm a great big bundle of culture tied up in the red, white and blue. A fine example of your Essex man, well familiar with the Hindu stand, cause my neighbours are half English and I'm half English too. English And so am I, you know I had a plate of Marmite soldiers Washed down with a cappuccino I have a veggie curry about once a week The next day I'll fry up as bubble and squeak Cause my appetite's are English And I'm half English too Tanya, she's half English. She speaks Latin at home. And St. George was born in the Lebanon. How he got here, I don't know. And those three lions on your shirt, they never sprung from England's dirt. Them lions are half English. And I'm half English too. Them lions are half English. And I'm too. That was,
0: that was Billy, Bragg, Billy Bragg and the Blokes. And that is the sound of English folk music. And I love it. Uh, it makes me feel proud, actually, to hear it. It's just strong and melodic and wow it 's great. I love it when I'm in a pub in England, and uh, there's folk music being played, and I have a few beers and it's it's really an incredible experience. I mean normally when I listen to music, I listen to stuff with a sort of American flavor or influenced by you know like Latin music or whatever stuff that you can dance to. but then when I hear traditional English folk music, it's just it goes sort of right into the heart of my soul, you know. <laughs> um all right i think i'm going to wind this up now um and i'm going to stop talking about this subject because i think i've dealt with it right but i I have to conclude i have to just read the last uh concluding paragraphs of this podcast all right so just bear with me this these are the closing minutes of the episode now all right um as ever i'm i'm very curious to know what your responses are to all of this i record this just in front of the computer you're not there in front of me when I have students in front of me and we're talking about this kind of thing half the time I'm encouraging them to talk and I want to know what they think and I'm encouraging them to give their input and so on it's not just me talking um, and I can't obviously do that on on the podcast but you can comment you can put your comments on the on the website um, so I'm very curious to know uh, your thoughts on this but let me just conclude in in some way um, so Uh, Britishness, like any cultural identity, is always changing. These things never stay the same. There's always a sense that the culture is being lost, and that's just the sense of the present order slipping away and being replaced by the new one. And at every moment of every minute, things are changing and nothing will stay the same. That brings some sense of fear and panic, Uh, the idea that we're going to lose the good things we have People also need a clearly defined culture in order to feel secure so they so they know where they are and that they can trust the people around them. People tend to prefer the things that they know and distrust the things that they don't. It's quite easy to blame others for, fright- for that frightening sense that things are changing for the worse. I think this is why a lot of people have fear and hatred of immigrants and foreigners. They're scared of the unknown agents of change who look and behave differently. I, ho- I suppose it's human nature to be like that, But it's also a little sad and unnecessary when it ends up in violence and suffering. Obviously, we shouldn't tolerate certain behaviour. Where am I going with this? What am I trying to say? Uh, What I mean is that there's no such thing as true Britishness unless it is is just a snapshot of what is happening right at this moment in Britain. And when I talk about the violence and stuff, I'm talking about, you know, the nationalist movements, sort of fascism and and that kind of thing, which is, uh, you know, a living threat to our way of life isn't it um this is all very serious but anyway what is going on what what are most people thinking and doing it's almost impossible to comprehend the supple, the subtlety of what britishness really is at any moment and not just britishness but any place because it's so complex that's why the question invites the standard mind-numbing responses like it's the queen it's tea it's strawberry jam it's monty python it's a game of cricket it's nine pints of lager and a fight outside the chip shop people just list things like that because they associate they just list things they associate with the uk because there's no other way of really explaining it just a bunch of associations Um, britishness or national identity is negotiated i think Also, I believe that Britishness is not an absolute concept. It's something which is negotiated. Everyone has their own version of Britishness. And in fact, Britishness changes depending on who is in power, who's got the money, the influence, and the cultural capital. In the end, it doesn't matter how much you say that Britishness is all about cricket when hardly anyone plays cricket anymore because there's no money in it. So you can bang on about defining Britain, Britishness, but ultimately it's going to be... Defined uh, by uh, the people who live in the country. Uh, Britishness is a blanket term which is supposed to incorporate all the diverse elements of multiculturalism. It means diversity, inclusivity, uh, and a celebration of the success and positivity of multiculturalism. So, in that sense, Britishness is something which I. S- which is supposed to unify us provide us with a sense of pride and therefore duty and obligation to the country we belong to we're less likely to smash the system if we believe in it um so it's a unifying force uh, which helps the country operate britishness is a as i said it's a unifying force which just keeps everything together after the 2005 terror attacks so that was the the there were al-qaeda terrorist attacks on the in london After the 2005 terror attacks the government were keen to reinforce national pride to promote the British brand to its own people in an effort to fight back against the destructive forces behind the attacks. The idea of a Britishness day was suggested but it didn't really go anywhere but what could that be? What could a Britishness day be? A day when we argue about what Britishness is? Also, it's all a bit close to nationalism, and we don't like that in the UK, really. Nobody wants to be associated with fascism, so often people have a defensive attitude to national pride, usually along the lines of, I think it's fine to be proud of Britain. You know, people often say it like that. I think it's fine to be proud of Britain, like they're defending the idea. I am proud of Britain um so you know some people feel it's necessary to actually say look sorry there's nothing wrong with being proud of being britain often the comments are uh, are presented in that way um what about all the bad things done in the name of britain are you proud of them too now i know that there may be some listeners out there in some parts of the world who are who, who see britain in fairly serious way like for example in the middle east i mean you know the uk was involved in Uh, dividing up the middle east to an extent with things like the balfour declaration after world war one it was no after world war two most people seem quite happy to pick and choose which aspects of britain they're proud of they usually will ignore the atrocities in our colonial past proudly declaring their pride in english tea despite the treatment of india during the colonial era so I'm a bit wary of being too proud of my country because I know that what we've I know that we've done some pretty bad things in the past. Also, I think national pride can be blinding and ultimately quite destructive. It's good to be proud of your roots, but there is uh, a more important thing to remember that there is a bigger picture and that is uh, that it's it's basically stupid to think of one nationality but in, it's stupid to think that one nationality is intrinsically better than others because that's what everyone is thinking. Instead, this, is, this sounds like I'm a hippie or something. Instead, we just need to see ourselves as one consciousness, man. <laughs> you can be whoever the hell you want to be as well, I believe. It doesn't matter where you pay your taxes. You can just define your own, your own identity as you see fit. Just as long as you don't go out of your way to hurt other people, just go ahead and be whatever you like that's the main thing for me just try and be a good person the rest of it is just fluff and i know that being a good person isn't as easy as that but you know because sure you may not be hurting people directly but what if you pay taxes to a government which then spends that money on weapons and instruments of torture what then well who knows but my i'm going to stick with that point just try to be a good person the rest is just fluff and that is the end of this episode of luke's english podcast thank you very much for listening i hope that uh, you've managed to listen all the way to the end if you have then that's a huge crowd of people clapping and applauding you well done um as ever leave your comments on the page you might want to check out audible.com as well (laughs) <laughs> i know i keep mentioning this but you know it's a, i've got a sponsorship deal going on with them not a massively lucrative one but anyway i'm every now and then i will say to you check out audibletrial.com trial.com forward slash teacher luke because you can get a free audiobook which isn't bad there's a there's a page on my website that explains everything um teacherluke.co.uk forward slash audible all right great thanks a lot for listening and uh, I hope you're having a good time wherever you are. This has been um, an emotional experience. It hasn't really. It's, it's been fairly normal. Um, okay, I'm going to stop talking. Thanks for listening. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.